You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of splatterpictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Nipe here with always... Typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 1986 sequel, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Excite. Excite. So this is our second part, a Halloween special, commentary track edition. And this, gang, if you wanted to know, is how I got Lydia to agree to it. She loves Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Yeah, it's a super fun film. I remember the first time I watched it, I watched it over and over again to the point that I was told that maybe I shouldn't watch this movie so many times in a row because it's really disturbing. And it became, like, there's quotes in it that became things that we would stay, say on the schoolyard to one another. Every time we saw an exit sign, me and my friend Terry would spell out E-X-I-T. Uh, <laughs> there was, you know, some, it contained some of the samples that were in the first industrial song I ever really listened to from Mal Havoc and, you know, all sorts of little tiny tidbits that made me the Lydia I am today. And that is a Lydia that I think we all can agree is pretty fucking radical. Now, my history with this film is a little bit different. I came to it a little bit later in life than I think you did. I definitely caught it on TV, uh, the the movie picks that we had up here in Canada. I don't know if it's a service or if it's a cable station that still exists. It might. Um, But I remember watching it and being very, very confused. Oh, what's so confusing? The confusing thing to me was just how tonally different it was. I had seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I loved it. And I saw this, like many people, expecting more of the same. And what I got was something quite different, and not in a bad way, because I don't really play that game. Uh, Sequels don't have to follow directly in the footsteps of their predecessors, and some people would argue that that's a good thing, but the problem with sequels sometimes is they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. People will complain that a sequel is identical to the first one in every way and bitch, moan, and complain. Alternatively, a sequel could be nothing like its predecessor, and people bitch, moan, and complain because it's nothing like its predecessor. Mm, I'm getting this this feeling that people just bitch, moan, and complain. There's that. (laughs) There's definitely that uh, attitude that you can't please everybody and i think that with texas chainsaw massacre there's definitely a camp that disregards it entirely and disregards most of the sequels if not all of them and then there's other people that gravitate towards this film because this does have a very significant cult following and people like you quote this film relentlessly they go to the horror conventions and they want to meet the actors and they really really enjoy it i think that there's a lot to recommend with this film but i think if people go into this wanting texas chainsaw massacre they're going to be disappointed. So my attitude with all films is to go in with your best foot forward with no prejudice and just see what the movie is going to be and not predict what the movie is going to be. I can't say that people going into this would be disappointed necessarily. And it's not like I really disagree with you here, but it's just the other side of that coin where some people might have enjoyed Texas Chainsaw Massacre for what it was because it's old <laughs> don't even don't even get me started Holy I fuck. Won't. but um and then come to this and be like 
rock and fucking roll. I love every fucking minute of this. It is totally different. I accept that. Yeah, it's a completely different sort of film, but it hits those same buttons of hillbilly horror, what I you know really like in a subgenre, and it is flashy and insane and fun and brutal and ultra gory just as scary too when you think about it so you can really appreciate both films differently yet sort of similarly texas chainsaw massacre 2 holds a bit of a a position in some horror theorists in terms of like the overall overall narrative of horror decade by decade and a few days ago or a few episodes ago i alluded to the idea of reagan era horror and The first time I ever heard of the term, it was in regards to Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And they used a whole bunch of examples about its lighter tone, the comedy, uh, the fact that there was a, there's a, the, the posters based off a fucking John Hughes film. There's all of these examples about how in 1974, things were serious and in 1980s they weren't and then and i always rejected the theory outright it sounded like fucking horseshit to me because i was like well they're not right because there's the thing and the fly and uh and and all kinds of serious dark horror movies from the 1980s and i agree there's a lot of funny Thank you, carpenter and cronenberg for yeah, it, being it, serious yeah, yeah. And, and but and, and those are just the two examples that i can think of off the top of my head right now but there's many more yeah it wasn't all just porky's horror spinoffs exactly it's not always just that and so i was always they're not right they're not right but then recently i was reading this book and uh the book is called dark directions by this cat kendall phillips it's a very academic book but not in a way that because i've read some Really dry horror text. Holy fuck. And, and and it's basically just a laundry list of horror films with no insight to them at all. But what this guy uh, tries to do, and it very much seems like a thesis work, he's very much trying to prove that people like Craven, Romero, Carpenter deserve to have a higher place in film history for what they were doing decade by decade. And he really, he very much talks about their uh, their gothic leanings, gothic body, frontiers, uh, crossing over into worlds of darkness versus worlds of light. Uh, and, and he uses a bunch of their bodies of work to, rep- to, to talk about that. But he also very much talked about the Reagan era of horror. And he kept talking about that. And throughout the book, I was like, oh my God, like this fucking guy, like he just keeps trying to prove this point and I don't buy it. I do not fucking acknowledge that this trend in horror existed. But the motherfucker changed my mind by the end of the book, which I always like to to tell people, I was like, just be reasonable, allow information to come to you and it, it can change your mind. In the late 1960s, he talked about how the decade changed dramatically from the beginning of the 60s to the end of the 60s with the assassination of various political figures, various um, uh, race riots and uh, and other uh, social movements bleeding into the war of Vietnam in the 1970s. And as such, you started getting movies like Last House on the Left and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Rosemary's Baby and black christmas 
films that had bleaker endings, films that challenged authority. Because reality was a huge slap in the face to the status quo at the time, so our films just mirrored that, yeah. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And then it showed how some directors managed to go with the flow and evolve their style to pertain to to the era which they were. In the 1980s, we get Ronald Reagan, and in the UK they were dealing with like Thatcher and stuff like that, but it was a time where people were rallying behind. In my estimation, and this is what I always got stuck on, was the fact that, well, things, they say things got goofier because we as a people got more conservative. You fucking look at this movie, there's nothing conservative. No, I I always think that things got goofy because people were on so much cocaine. (laughs) But what this book really showed me taught me was was more about what reagan was aside from what i know about the dude which was like reaganomics and and uh just that type of shit right and the fact that like at the time people got behind a very conservative might makes right type president in the united states well i think it was just a yearning to return to the 50s idyllic lifestyle and and that is where this slogan uh mourning in america came from and and then when they talked about this idea of positivity and and what really hit it home for me was when this author used the example of howard hawks the thing versus the thing that John Carpenter made. And talking about how in Howard Hawks' thing, it was all about people teamwork and rallying together and everyone going towards the same goal of defeating this alien creature. Whereas in, oh, in John Carpenter's totally thing, opposite. It, it's everyone's suspect, don't trust anybody. And, and uh, I have the gun, therefore I'm in charge. Like that type of mentality. And it ends on a real fucking bleak note. Mm-hmm. And it bombed. And I understand that that people think, well, the thing is, is an undisputed classic. You are right. But let's not confuse perception with reception. Because now, all these years later, obviously we look back and we think the thing was an absolute classic, but it was not perceived that way at the time. John Carpenter himself even said people wanted E.T., and I gave them not E.T. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, so, and, and so when I was thinking about it from that attitude of more positivity within horror was working more for people and 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 the the cliched hollywood ending where the good guys win and the bad guys lose and so i'm starting to see they have a point and so reagan era horror is a thing i believe i think it needs a better name than that because a i find it like a we're like canadian reagan wasn't even our president so i'm like what are you talking about reagan yeah and 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 second of all like i think it can confuse things because i think conservative um as opposed to like i'll submit ronald mcdonald horror ronald ronald mcdonald horror because they are trying to get back to it is that trying to get back to like that eisenhower era of the united states right that's what people wanted and to believe in our authority figures and not challenge the status quo but then you're like but what about prince of darkness what about this what about that and obviously there's exceptions to the rules but texas chainsaw massacre i think really became a movie that a lot of people decided 
was going to represent this idea of rig and air horror. And I don't know if it's completely justified because I've always heard Toby Hooper saying that people didn't get it. And nothing is funnier to me than when a director says like, people didn't get it. Here's a, here's another version of this film that I'm going to drive home the fact because like George Lucas does that, like that, like where he's like, people don't understand that Vader was a tragic character. I'm gonna make three movies to make you <laughs> to make you know that unequivocally. This is very much that. Except as funny as it is, there's not necessarily a lot of jokes in this film. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just more like it's, it's so over the top and com- and it's situational comedy as well. Like yeah. if every sitcom was this cool, I would have watched television, but they're not, so I don't because um, they're relying on non sequiturs. Sequiturs? How do you say that? Sequiturs. Non sequiturs and things like that that aren't comical to me. But it's far more comical to see a guy uh, scratching at the metal plate in his head with a a hook and then chasing after a woman screaming burner like a rat. It's all, that's all funny to me because he has the lighter and he's heating up the thing and like, yeah. Like, that's all very hilarious. I could sit down, you know, 90% of people I know and tell them this is a comedy. Let's sit down and watch it. And they would be fucking horrified. And they would think I'm nuts because there's nothing funny about this at all. Mm -hmm. But to a horror fan... Mm-hmm. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I mean, there's some really big performances between fucking Bill Mosley and Dennis Hopper. Like, Jesus Christ. I think it's Texas Chainsaw, the beginning. There was a part I was watching it with a friend who had never seen it before and wasn't very, uh, I was a horror fan, but not a Texas Chainsaw Massacre aficionado or professional. And there was this one part where Leatherface has to go, he's dispatched to go and hunt somebody down back at the slaughterhouse mm-hmm. so before he goes to the slaughterhouse he goes and puts on a tie and he's like what the fuck is he doing and like he's going to work <laughs> and i think it's fucking hilarious because that's what he was fucking doing yeah. like but i know this and like they've set up the background for these jokes so maybe that's part of why this isn't considered that comedic or why without the context of all the other films or just the one before it it doesn't wouldn't appear as comedy they're relying on you sort of knowing this world or finding humor in some of the hillbilly versus city person jokes mm-hmm. that are very subtle. Are or even so. things like, his name is Lefty McEnright. I mean, or Lefty and not McEnright. This Lefty Enright? Yeah. Lefty Enright. That is the most hilarious name when you think about it. Lefty Enright? <laughs> Lefty Enright? I think that's funny. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. There is a lot of dissection that goes on with this film no pun intended (laughs) and sometimes you know it's like it's fully warranted any movie is up for dissection but i really like to just approach this for fun and the humor in it and enjoy it for what it is aside from there being a lot of like academic texts that study this it's a great study in final girl theory it's a wonderful study in final girl theory it's a, a wonderful study in sexuality and horror it's a wonderful study in hillbilly horror too i was reading an article it's a an essay by david bell called anti-idol the rural horror and i like reading a little bit about the hillbilly horror stuff and from an academic standpoint and then turn it off so that I can just enjoy my hillbilly horror without having to overthink any of it. But I do tend to get a little bit protective of my roots and my family's roots of living in the countryside. 
And I'm of two minds, of course, when it comes to the countryside, because it is a place of this idyllic, repastful, relaxing place to recharge and unwind and quite beautiful in that courier and Ives sort of way. And it is also a brutal fucking landscape where chopping the heads off chickens and making sheep rape jokes aren't funny. You know what I mean? So he has a lot to say about that. And it's a great article. I keep saying article, but it's an essay about the humans as the monsters. So he says, as a resource in popular culture, the armchair countryside offers countless ways of escape for urban dreamers to consume. Against these idyllic representations of rurality, however, can be set other visions of the rural. Newcomers to the rural have always found aspects of country life less idyllic. For example, from Ereviste, landowners confronted by nature, red in tooth and claw, to 1980s commuter villagers thrown into panic by tabloid folk devil stories about rural rowdies, city folk have often found the countryside positively dystopian. Narratives of rural regions like the Deep South, such as those contained in the gothic writings of Flannery O'Connor, have long explored the badlands of the rural, its sick, sordid, malevolent, nasty underbelly. One of the films that really brings this into a highlight is Inbred. I really fucking love that film. Uh, It's a great picture of that sick, sordid underbelly. And this does the exact same sort of thing, but not as hillbilly horror-y as the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something like Deliverance, where the humans are definitely the monsters and you've trespassed into their area. This is a lot more subtle in that way because we're getting that fringe, that sort of meeting between the city and country. There's a sort of edge that they're skirting between where the radio station is and where the Sawyer homestead is. Mm-hmm. Where this does skirt on that edge of straight up horror and comedy as well. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 can serve as a study for a huge amount of socio-political and economic thinking. There's post-traumatic stress disorder that's apparent in Chop Top's return from the war, if you want to really like get literal about things like that. And the sexuality of Stretch versus Leatherface and what sort of feelings and desires she might be awakening in him with her, you know, short shorts and things like that. Her being just such a antithesis to the previous final girl type girls where she's you know foul-mouthed strong not foolhardy but brave things like that so you can there's a lot of like contrasts in this and vigilante justice in lefty's character as well where he's chasing down what is it his niece that had uh been in the first one uh yeah because he's related to uh franklin and uh sally yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's out there to get answers. The vigilante justice doesn't really work quite so well normally in a hillbilly horror because they're just going to get eaten up and devoured, again, no pun intended, by the country folk who they're infiltrating. But he seems to have a leg up being, you know, a little bit country himself. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, before we get into the film, there is some Halloween stuff because this is the second part of our Halloween extravaganza. And when you're done listening to this, immediately tune in to the Wicked Library 
they have their second annual Wicked Library reading and one of my short stories on there called The Ringer, read by Nelson W. Piles. And I'm very, very thankful not only to be on the show because I've been on other Wicked Library episodes before. So you can always go through their catalog and pick out some cool stuff by like myself and like Jessica McHugh, other horror authors that are very popular, some that are you might have never heard of. And people like there's a Neil Gaiman story on there for people who really like the very popular authors. And this is a live event that took place at Rickard and Beagle Books a couple weeks ago in Pittsburgh. So I'm awfully impressed to be part of that. The story they chose is very, very scary. It's Halloween themed, which is something I don't normally do, like holiday themed stuff, but I wrote a whole bunch of holiday, like Halloween horror this year. And this is one of them. So I'm pretty excited about that. And as soon as you're done listening to that, go over to Bind Torture Cast and you can listen to their Halloween episode and a special mystery show of doom, which I may or may not be on because I'm just going to be vague about that. But go and listen, definitely. You guys are definitely not going to want to miss that. Yeah, that's like a whole bunch of Halloween horror. The <clears throat> Faculty of Horror had a great Halloween episode as well where they cover Trick or Treat and mm. Creep Show. Yeah. Which was really, really, a really awesome episode. So if you missed that, go listen to that as well so you can listen to us mm-hmm. talk about text chainsaw massacre one and now part two and wicked library yeah blind torture cast and faculty of horror mm-hmm. you can get so much lydia in your day-to-day life it's crazy yeah not the faculty of horror not the that's faculty just, of horror that's just one i fucking love that was a really good episode so yeah. yeah those are two great films one we've covered on our show yeah yeah if you want to have another, like, an eighth hour of fucking horror Halloween listening, <laughs> go tune into our Creep Show episode. Yeah. Or our Halloween 1 and 2 from last year. Oh, yeah. And just mm-hmm. fucking have a marathon. Watch four films with us talking in your ear the whole time. Because we all know that nobody does anything for Halloween anymore. I mean, <laughs> everyone just sits around and listens to fucking podcasts and watches TV or movies like Shudder. I gotta throw in another plug for Shutter Canada. Um, it launched on the twentieth, motherfuckers. So, yeah, I think there's a free trial for everyone, like a free month trial or whatever, and it's uh, super affordable. After it's way less expensive than Netflix, and it actually has horror movies on it. In fact, it has nothing but fucking horror movies on it. So, so if all you like is one thing, then Shutter is definitely for you. Like me. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see you there. <laughs> uh, from a personal observation, seeing the, if you guys were wondering about the types of horror movies that they have, uh, speaking from one horror fan to the rest of you, uh, it's a very, very good list. Um, I think that it has a lot to offer for horror fans, and I think there's not only going to be stuff that you have been dying to see yourself because you've heard about it, but there's going to be great films for you to recommend to your friends and shit like that. There's a real mixed bag of all different types of genres of horror as well. So it's not just all the Blumhouse releases. And I know like for people who don't like those, um, there's tons of like old school horror in there. There's a lot of like foreign horror um, and it's really good titles. It's, it's, it's a, no crap that I could really see. Yeah, that's curated list. If you want to like hear more and read more about how these lists are created and just some of the genesis of Shudder and things about Shudder, go over to nightface.ca. I interviewed the team leads um, and the founder, Sam Zimmerman and Colin Geddes. 
Uh, Canadians will know Colin Gettys from the programming Midnight Madness yes. for years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, go over to my website and read that amazing interview, if I do say so myself, just because <laughs> I was so flattered to have time to talk to those guys. Uh, and I love talking horror movies with horror <laughs> fans, right? Oh, I thought you were kind of pulling up. Guys, my questions were super on point. I was an excellent interviewer. That's mostly just gabbing, right? You know, yeah. that's very conversational. It's how I approach pretty much any interview. So it was like triple fun for me because it was just horror movies. Mm -hmm. All horror, all the time. That's me. <laughs> Speaking of horror, let's get into it. So just like all of our other commentary tracks, guys, what we're going to do is we are going to... We have a copy of Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Uh, we're using the Shout Factory Blu-ray Special Edition that came out recently. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to start it up off the count of three. Um, you're not going to hear it because we don't want to get sued and we're going to be listening or we're going to be reading along so we know what they're saying. And yeah. Yeah, it'll work as a nice visual cue because I haven't watched this in a couple of years. I was going to do my homework and watch it actually the day before, but I got all busy and sleepy and whatever. I was mostly like transcribing the interview of Colin and Sam, but um so it's been a couple years for me, so I am not on point today, but I know I'll have fun because I do love this film. <laughs> and it has been like steeped into my psyche for so many years. And I'd have to say that the cover of The Shout Factory is fucking impressive. I love it mm -hmm. because the original cover almost talked me out of renting it. I walked past it many times thinking, you know what, I won't like this because it's just going to make a fucking joke of horror. Mm -hmm. So those who don't like horror comedy because it makes fun of horror and horror fans in turn. Mm -hmm. For those of you not the case. For those of you who don't know, the original poster and advertising for this was it was basically a, a parody shot of the John Hughes flick uh, Breakfast Club. Yeah. It's 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 our the Sawyer family in all the positions that the 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 what were they called? The fucking Brat no way. They're not necessarily the Brat Pack, but the they were pack. a Brat Pack. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. They weren't the Brat Pack. But oh. Yeah. Those oh. were the names of different actors in different John Hughes movies and other movies as well. But like, it is sort of like a colloquial Brat Pack of people. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a the horror Brat Pack, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> it almost turned me off. It almost I walked past it many times thinking I wouldn't like this. It will be insulting to me as a young baby bat horror fan but i'm glad that i originally eventually did pick it up so are we gonna like give them a little count now yeah three two one and go mgm when the lion roars <laughs> i knew you were gonna say that the beginning of this film is a lot more different than the original one for the cannon symbol boy Canon's not always the vote of confidence for me. They're responsible for, like, Quest for Peace and Conan the Destroyer. Speaking and... of Electric Boogaloo. Oh, I was going to yeah. say Electric Boogaloo. On the afternoon of August 18th, 1973, five young people in a Volkswagen van ran out of gas on a farm road in South Texas. Four of them were never seen again. The next morning, the one survivor, Sally Hardest Dien Wright, was picked up on a roadside, blood caked and screaming murder. Sally said she had broken out of a window in hell. The girl babbled a mad tale, a cannibal family in an isolated farmhouse, chainsawed fingers and bones, her brother, her friends, hacked up for barbecue, chains made of... chairs made of human skeletons. Then she sank into catatonia. 
Texas lawmen mounted a month-long manhunt, but could not locate the macabre farmhouse. They could find no killers and no victims, no facts, no crime. Officially, on the records of Texas, Chainsaw Massacre never happened. But during the last 13 years, over and over again, reports of bizarre, grisly chainsaw mass murders have persisted all across the state of Texas. The chainsaw massacre has not stopped, and it just moved too fast, so I can't read it. It seems to have no end. Thank you. one na 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 that was worse than reading the beginning of fucking Star Wars. <laughs> well, one of the things that I'll say about the intro to this film and how it's a little bit different is like this one doesn't really tell the same type of story that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre one does. And as opposed to the original one, if you guys remember, that we were spending a lot of time watching uh, photos of bodies be taken and then there was radio signals going on where there was a, a bunch of uh, gloom and doom happening news reports happening this time we're basically just watching credits tom savini does the special effects on this that's actually really exciting yeah that's part of why it's so pretty i think yeah absolutely and you know to horror fans uh tom savini doesn't need any introduction but for those of you who don't know this guy is a fucking rock star when it comes to special effects Practical effects, gore effects, all that kind of stuff. He's like the, like as people like would associate Stan Winston with like giant monsters and shit like that. Other people associate Tom Savini with making heads explode. Particularly yeah, I was just gonna, if he says anything other than blowing heads up, then <laughs> it seems to be his favorite thing. Mm-hmm. You can see him blow his own head up in Maniac. Yeah, and a, a show that we've also covered on the show. It's interesting to me that. They didn't get Gunner back. They didn't get a lot of people back. Just Jim Cito comes back as the cook. Now we know his name is Drayton. Yeah. Um, but none of the other none of the other Sawyer family returns for this film. Which is I I was sort of sad that it wasn't Gunner Hands, and maybe that was part of my reluctance to watch this back mm-hmm. then because it was like, eh, it's all different guys. Who cares? Yeah. Um, but you know, with all due respect to Mr. Hansen. We didn't need him. <laughs> we did fine, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. This time, Leatherface is handled by Bill Johnson, uh, who does a serviceable job. This is fucking egregious bullshit right here. Is this because it's supposed to be, like, Texas or something like that? So you got, like, a couple of guys just firing off a revolver? Partially Texas, yeah. I don't know. Partially lax gun laws or whatever, or the rights to bear arms or whatever. Is that the Second Amendment? I don't even know. Um, and it's immediately city rich bastards infiltrating the idyllic countryside mm-hmm. right off the fucking top and it's like you said egregious it's horrible <laughs> i hate these guys and they deserve to die this guy's sunglasses alone make him the creepiest motherfucker in the entire fucking universe as far as i'm concerned i know right <laughs> and i like this uh this is where we're skirting that line between the city and countryside too we've got mm-hmm. these dicks calling into the radio station or whatever mm-hmm. with their mobile phone yeah their car phone they're yeah. fucking <laughs> the, the cable well they are they driving a bmw or is that a mercedes what are they driving they're driving something uh, very nice i, I wish so, i could tell you i'm like i'm not a car guy yeah the car phone isn't out of place in this car mm-hmm. um neither is the buffoonery and idiocy when they are outside of the country and outside of their yacht club they can feel they can act however they want right so yeah absolutely. they're out there raising hell 
<laughs> and they call into the radio station, which is in my mind, like sort of that cusp in between the two, that sort of like meeting place of country and city in this film. Mm. And pretty soon we're going to have some uh, country infiltrate their fucking asses. That's true. Uh, Kit Carson was the guy that handled the script for this, whereas opposed to, I think Toby Hooper might have maybe advised or something like that. But I know that he basically did the bulk of this script. And I think his idea was, well, we had the boys killing hippies in the 1970s. So in the 1980s, let's have them kill some yuppies. Yeah. Thank God for that. <laughs> All these woohooers. Oh, my God. Don't ever woohoo a woohooer. That's much I know. They're having way too much fucking fun. You want to know the strange thing uh, as I was watching this uh, flick, I have worked at radio stations here and there. Uh, I have a degree in broadcasting, for those of you who don't know. And one of the things that I am not actually aware of is the fact that they're unable to hang up on these people. They're, they need these guys to hang up, which is something that I don't really recall ever hearing while I was in radio. Because right now, Stretch isn't able to just hang up. She needs them to hang up. Did you ever use an old-fashioned board like that, though? Because it's got, like, all these crazy, weird three-and-a-half-inch connectors and stuff, like a switchboard in an old-fashioned hotel or something. Like, <laughs> it looks pretty old compared to the stuff, the gear that you would have worked with. Yeah. At the CBC, I some, somewhat recall them having to wait for the other person to disconnect mm -hmm. when they're doing interviews on Ontario Today. Maybe that has something to do with it. I'm not exactly sure. <coughs> Sorry, I'm going to... I'll uh, dim that out. No, that's all right. We have this fucking shit going on here. But it's funny because, like, somebody asked me the last time that I was watching this with them, I was like, did you dance like that while you were in the in the studios? I was like, sometimes. Sometimes you dance like that. you got to keep your energy up. You ever watch uh, WKRP, that uh, show? No, no. Oh, there's a lot of dancing. Venus Flytrap does a lot of dancing. Oh, really? Yeah, I highly recommend that to a radio fan. They're playing really good music, too, which is a nice, another departure. And that could be something, if someone's looking for a really serious, scary horror movie, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre was supposed to be, or was taken as, because it wasn't as much of a black comedy as uh, Toby Hooper wanted it to be, mm -hmm. this is full of your rock and roll horror right off the top. It definitely has a lot of that fucking rock and roll horror. I almost fucking want to turn into like the Wolfman and just fucking howl while this radio stuff is going on. Well, so do those guys in the car. They seem to be just fucking howling. That's all they ever do. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. I like they're like trying to like fucking hang up this phone. It's almost like they're trying to land a plane. Like they're fucking just like <laughs> flipping all these kinds of shit on the board and stuff like that. It's Thank God they can't disconnect because then we wouldn't have this classic, amazing song that gets recorded live for it Chop Top to request later. You know what's so fucking crazy about these guys is like these motherfucking yuppies have been driving around for hours, it seems like. Driving around the Texas countryside for hours. That dude with his fucking laser blazer sunglasses has just been firing at signs. And going apeshit. They're drinking, driving, swerving around. And a car just parks in front of them. And they're like, what are you, crazy? <laughs> like, what is... <laughs> like, they're crazy. <laughs> I love that corpse dance. Oh, yeah, man. I'm taking notes. It's like this... ultra fun. 
This is gonna be like my new dance. Yeah, strap a fucking corpse to your back and have all kinds of fun. It's funny because like initially when you see this scene, you're not exactly sure what the f is going on. You're like, is this like, is that guy alive? Like, what is, is that or is like once you realize that there's somebody strapped to it, you're like, is this just a joke? Are these friends of theirs or something? Are they gonna go to the summer camp after this? Is that what's happening? That's was my initial impression. But, oh, yeah, like it's a prank, right? Right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, it's got to be friends of theirs. They know these guys. It's got to <laughs> be. They just, like, they borrowed a truck off their uncle. Yeah, that might be it. Like, look at, <laughs> see, see, like, all the fucking knobsies switching? I was just like, can't you guys just hang up the phone? I don't understand. Anytime that I worked in the radio station, we would always just hang up the phone, but you might be right. There's... It also really, really works for the narrative. Who knows? I'm no pro when it comes to uh, radio stations. That's for sure. No, that's that's a uh, that that's definitely fair. It's funny to me how these guys are so shooty. Yet they, it's like shooting their gun is almost a last resort for them. Maybe they're running out of bullets by now. Um, it's sort of like the idea of. Oh, what is it, Hunter S. Thompson? Mm -hmm. Just racing through the fucking American countryside, shooting guns, <laughs> being crazy. I think that's sort of what they're what they're riffing on there, in a way. Maybe they read too much Hunter S. Thompson and Jack Kerouac. Oh, yeah, so they just read that book and like, let's just drive, man, let's just drive. Yeah. <laughs> Got a cornucopia of fucking drugs and guns and let's just drive. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's got a splitting headache. That's some nice Tom Savini work right there. This is absolutely fucking amazing scene. Apparently, uh, Tom Savini isn't entirely happy with this effect because he said that there was a lot more brain and stuff and uh, w at work within the, uh, the appliance. Oh, okay. But it didn't really pick up on film, even though it was all present there. And they even was going to uh, uh, color packing peanuts. So, it, like, a little packing peanuts, red packing peanuts would come out of it. So it would look like brain mass flying out of the car. There's no feedback like super feedback. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely had, like, big old cans on our ears like those in the radio station, for sure. Just went dead air, he says. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did we ever? Hell motherfucking yeah. And here we go. The introduction. Oh, lefty. Yeah, I like how they tagged on the N right to her last name mm -hmm. just to like make this all work. Yeah, absolutely. Because the, cause the, the Sally's last name didn't have that on it whatsoever, but you know. No, it's just Hardesty. I'm pretty sure the last name was just Hardesty, but yeah. even so, I'm pretty sure the last name is also Franklin. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, <laughs> oh, you know the old Franklin place up there? Yeah, the old Franklin place, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. Franklin, Franklin, that's my name. Yeah, absolutely. Then we have uh, Lefty and Right, which I will always get a kick out of. <laughs> it's pretty good. Old Dennis Hopper here, man, what a fucking legendary career. Uh, this guy's no stranger to horror. Been Land of the Dead for one of the more recent things he did just before he passed away. Uh, but I mean, like, this fucking guy's like speed. This guy's fucking easy rider. Like, this guy's all over the place, man. This guy's blue velvet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, blue you want to get right velvet. creepy, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the building in this plot seems to be that old lefty here was related to Sally and Franklin and now is kind of off for revenge. Rob Zombie wouldn't ape this idea beat for beat but there would be a very similar thing going on in the devil's rejects where you have the idea of a, a cop going after previous victims 
or the people or on behalf of previous victims. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. With a similar look too. You know what? Yeah. Now that you mention it. I think that was the, the biggest thing aside from coming after with some sort of like um, following the trail of these deaths and trying to right the wrong or find justice for their dead family member. They look a lot alike. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Lefty's a really interesting character. He's very preoccupied with this idea that that the Sawyer family themselves seem to be um, agents of hell and that hell has spilled over into our world. He, he's just sputtering crazy. Like, he's not, like, this is not actually what's happening. The Sawyers are very, like, quantifiable evil. They're just cannibals. They're a family of cannibals. But this guy will just, believe me, he'll be screeching hell by the time this fucking movie is over. Well, yeah, and you, you go talk to somebody who's like a Bible Belt Christian or Baptist or whatever flake of Christianity you want to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way he's thinking of them isn't untoward when you're coming from a really fundamentalist Christian point of view. And like that's like a, a pro-life people Mm-hmm. Assuming that everyone else is going to burn in a lake of fire. I don't know if he pulls out the lake of fire quite exactly, but that's where his thinking is coming from. It doesn't sound completely wrong for somebody who's a fundamentalist Christian in the Deep South, I don't think. No, 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 no. It, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't for sound... For him to assume that, it sounds about right, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds well, crazy to us because we don't think like that. No, no. Absolutely not. Yeah, because we're blaming it on their socioeconomic crises, like um, no work, no money, no food. It's a little cameo by Toby Hooper right there. (laughs) Wearing that ridiculous hat. That's a perfect hat. (laughs) These these fucking cowboys. You know what's crazy about Lefty? Is the very previous scene to this... Lefty looks like he sounds a little extreme, but he looks confident like, oh, man, this is a dude on the mission. This very next scene, he looks on the brink of death. It's crazy to me. Like his eyes are all sunken in and he's clearly been drinking all night, hasn't slept and shit. Yeah. Filthy and gross. Mm-hmm. So it reminds me of the cop in Natural Born Killers who has to immerse himself into that mindset. Maybe that's what he's been doing. All night. <laughs> no, it's it's a uh, it's absolutely uh, true. Uh, Caroline Williams playing Stretch in this, uh, she does a really really nice job, I think. And one of the, the nice little plot points that I think is actually quite good is because we need a reason for these characters to interact with each other. So they just put a newspaper article in there. Why wouldn't they? It, you know, this guy's a fairly well known dude that's been chasing all this kind of stuff. He's a, considered a joke, and at night. Stretch was at the the uh, being the DJ got the yuppies recording and now she wants him to listen to it. Uh, she has evidence, but for some reason, uh, Lefty doesn't really want to hear it. Whereas before, he was really adamant about finding these people. So wouldn't he want any bit of evidence that he could possibly get? Don't you think? Especially when it is the closest thing to an eyewitness, you might not get like the things that you would get from an actual eyewitness report but you mm-hmm. get to hear anything that was said 
if they shouted any description of the vehicle or the people that attacked them mm -hmm. before they met their demise. Mm -hmm. It is evidence. He needs to listen to it. It's true, but he seems very dismissive pushing her and her giant beach bag out of here. But I, it's funny because I'm wondering, do you think it's because he's worried He's worried that he doesn't want to get people involved, but maybe she might be killed? I know in the original script, uh, she was supposed to be revealed to be his illegitimate daughter. I don't think... Which is just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it seems that would be a stretch. No pun intended. <laughs> they just thrown out the uh, live on fear line, which mm -hmm. is one of my favorite things. They live on fear. Um, especially later on when it's reiterated. But it could be he's partially dismissing her because she's a bouncy, flouncy looking female. Oh, you think Who wants is? to take a radio DJ, a nighttime radio DJ, a female nighttime radio DJ seriously at all? Oh. I never even considered that. Do Don't you worry your pretty little head about a thing. You just take your tape and you just get out of here. Now, I got important man police stuff to do. Now, do you think that the fact that this motherfucker has touched his food that much, is that like a nightmare for you? Look how much he touched Oh, this. that's completely a nightmare for me. That is absolutely inedible, and I don't know why people do stuff like that. Once an ex of mine made a small Jeep out of uh, bits and bites, and I was absolutely disgusted. It was almost a deal breaker right there. <laughs> LG doesn't seem to mind, though. He's, uh, he's real adamant about touching every single french fry the, the time that that would have made taken to make would have made like the fries ice cold unedible you i agree like i'm usually not that like finicky about people touching my food but that's too much touching this motherfucking shit right here this this like uh them doing a a, a live remote basically in the old radio days it's like is that what a marant system was before we had a marant <laughs> Yeah. For oh people that don't know, like a Marantz is like a, a portable recorder that's very, very sensitive and high tech and can hold scounds of fucking information. It's got a pretty big hard drive yeah. and you can hook up pro mics to it. <laughs> and it's small and portable, not like this beast. Mm -hmm. That or maybe it's just because it's backwards-ish. They're relying on technology that's 20 years removed. Maybe. Let me tell you, when I was in radio, we had stuff like that kicking around and like it was old, 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 old. Jim Cito here reprising his role as uh, Drayton Sawyer. We know his name now, as I uh, I think I mentioned before. Um, <laughs> don't skimp on the meat. Don't skimp on the meat. Uh, one of the craziest things about this so much is uh, not so much that he is, you know, winning a chili contest for cooking people. <laughs> fucking hard shell peppercorn. I love that fucking tooth. line. It's a dick. It's definitely yeah. a tooth. It's, it's, it's how he's just doing his little speech there. Meanwhile, look at all that chili just pouring uh, on his I'm jacket. I'm trying to not look. I'm trying not look. I'm thinking about my own family chili recipes and stuff like that. And the other secret, aside from the meat, and you can, using three different kinds of meat in a chili really, really helps. Mm -hmm. um, a little chunk of uh, Baker's dark chocolate. Dark chocolate, you are shitting me. I'm not shitting you. Throw one or two chunks of dark chocolate in your pot of chili and uh, thank me later. <laughs> Cut right, chainsaws. Is that the same place as the gas station? It looks so similar. They do. It does look very similar. I don't know, actually. That'd be a really good little bit of uh, trivia. That's the fun part of doing these lives. We don't get to pause and look stuff up and see if we're right. <laughs> Yeah, well, we definitely don't know 
We definitely don't know, but that's fine because right now what we do know is Dennis Hopper is going to buy himself some fucking chainsaws. Yeah, it's like a kid in a candy store. It's fucking crazy to me. This is like the, the one of the things that the, this uh, movie seems to establish is that chainsaws are basically like the warrior's katana, the soul of, of the, the warrior themselves. And when you clutch this chainsaw, it is my soul. It is me. Much I'm... like a phallic weapon, any phallic weapon. Yeah, it's Like true. the ultimate phallic weapon. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's big, it's noisy, runs on gasoline, just like my dick. Big and noisy. Darn tootin'. My dad gave us some words of advice regarding chainsaws when we are watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, was make sure you tighten that chain and change those spark plugs before you go killing people. <laughs> and that's one thing that we'd noted about, uh, like in preamble when we were preparing for the episode, and my dad gave us those little nuggets of wisdom regarding mm-hmm. chainsaws, um, was in the first one, the chainsaw starts every pull. The chainsaw oh, yeah. is highly tuned and probably well oiled and you know if you're using a chainsaw for cutting up meat you're going to fill it up not with like a a motor oil you're going to fill it up with like a cooking oil right so it probably smelled horrible um but it did work extremely well where we do get some uh, chainsaw follies in this that's part of the humor maybe maybe in the first one if they would have fucked up with a chainsaw a couple times people would have gotten that it was a black comedy (laughs) <laughs> maybe um yeah this fucking shit right here <laughs> this sure beats a montage like a weapons montage like i'll pick on phantasm which always has the best weapon making montages ever mm-hmm. this is actually turbo kid gets kind of funny there with a couple like gnome stick parts um <laughs> but like this sure beats a weapons montage just being able to go through all the chainsaws it, it is that though it's this fucking guy that just wants to drop, for, like, he drops like a G on this fucking table, and then he walks out with a giant fucking chainsaw, and then his two side chainsaws. And you can see, like, what he's doing with them. Like, he's like, oh my god, these are like, you know, his wakasashi, if he was going to have a long sword and a yeah. short sword, right? I was going to ask you what those were called. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty fucking interesting. This is not how you use a chainsaw at all. No, but he's using it the way he would envision attacking somebody with it, right? Mm-hmm. He's not looking to fucking make a sculpture here. That's true. He's like, what happens when I glance it off? Is this going to kick back on me? Because that's the last thing you want is a chainsaw to kick back on you. I love how into it the fucking chainsaw salesman is. Like He's like, oh my, a banana. Look at him. He's just going to... <laughs> Going ape shit. I had people react like that when I put a bunch of flyers through a folding machine when I was uh, younger. Worked at a print shop, and to see a, a machine that folded flyers, folded brochures, they reacted like, "Oh my god, woot woot!" And they were like hooting and hollering. It was crazy. <laughs> they were from somewhere um, southern United States, and it was hilarious. They reacted a lot like that to seeing paper get folded. By the thousands. Yeah. Now now he um Lefty seems to be interested in, in working with her because he's He's not hung over anymore? He's not hung over anymore. He's had time to think about it. And they're gonna kinda of come up with an idea to 
I guess the idea is to flush him out, right? Because it does work. Exactly. And he's also like, he was probably the person that got that article in the paper so fast. Mm -hmm. Probably like bothered a reporter, found a reporter on scene and filled them with like urgency. So now he's just going to use any news outlet and trying to flush them out this way, or at least get other people who might have witnessed it interested, works perfectly. Aside from being like this vigilante that goes off on his own, he still knows how to use like news agencies, local law enforcement, and things like that to his advantage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You got that last slaughter on tape. You play it on the radio. I love that line. <laughs> it is pretty good. I think that um the the right now they're jumping through hoops a little bit about how to get this done because I mean on the one hand Stretch doesn't want to wants to help but on the other hand what he's asking her to do would get her fired from the radio station if she were to do it so they have this idea of it's like I guess if it's a if it's a request they have to play it one of the dirty little secrets about radio these days boys and girls if you're ever interested is um request shows they can they can play what you want. They can. Uh, but for the most part, they don't. Because typically speaking, people will request songs that the radio station just doesn't play. And basically, the radio station's work is this this system called the Scott system. It's essentially an automated thing that has an algorithm is it, that calculates which songs to play when based off of popularity of the music. Uh, it's actually fascinating. But what you do is, if someone requests a song that you don't play, what you do is you request, you, you suggest they request a different song. And if you do, I'll put you on the radio. Put you on the radio requesting a song that's already coming up that you don't need to request. That's the dirty little secret of request radio. Yeah. So you always get, and then everyone else is just like, play me Justin Bieber. Or for whatever. popular stations, yeah. Yeah, for popular definitely. stations. See, I'm Ma- wondering with this KOKLA, is the FCC fucking listening to her? Probably like- not. And especially in this era, there's still so many mom and pop radio stations yeah. that this, this it, it's kind of like a moot point. Like, I don't really think that she would have to worry about it. She would basically be adherent to her station manager if they're listening at all to late night radio mm-hmm. or she would be adhering to sponsors if, if sponsors were listening and they didn't like it there would be that those are the two people that she would really be answering to yeah and and because i don't know unless someone called into the station and complained but even if they called into the station and complained they could say it was a request well, they do more than call into the station and complain here cuz mm-hmm. Drayton's not fucking impressed no this is the <laughs> not parrot idiot. I love how like Drayton's dress. I like like this this like mingling with people. Drayton, yeah, where he's just wearing like this fucking <laughs> checkered jacket and this fucking ridiculous hat. So crazy. He seems to have. He's become mobile. He's no longer has one stuck at home stuck at home no 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 i guess like if the police raided your place and couldn't find you you can't stay there anymore so now you're taking your your meat on the road well maybe it was the the next step for someone like uh, robert pecton who was slaughtering girls and packaging the meat and fucking selling the meat and giving the meat away and eating the meat definitely Mm -hmm. it's one of the the small things that's not mentioned as much because it is horrible fucking facet of the Picton pig farm murders 
But maybe that was the next step for him. If he kept getting away with this, because he got away with that for 20 years. They've been getting away with this for a fucking generation. Mm -hmm. Of course he's mobile now and has a food truck. Because Mm -hmm. food trucks are all the rage. I mean, he'd be kicking ass right now. Mm -hmm. Food trucks are all the rage in Ottawa right this very minute. What is with this fucking guy and his spitting all the time? He's a manly man, man. Is that what manly men do? Should I start horking in your home? How fast? You don't need would... to be a manly man, Wes. Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah. How fast would you throw me out if I spat on your floor? Immediately. <laughs> Which is weird that I say that because I've actually spit on a wall in my younger days in someone's house because I was a horrible human being. Wow. And I didn't get cracked out. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I was checked off about something. And he's sitting there like, oh, you know, Stretch, I'm powerful sweet on you. I guess that's the dialogue. One of the radio station romances. Doesn't really happen like that in Pontypool. Unless you <laughs> want to call the very end some some way of them coming to terms with their mutual attraction. Kill is kiss. That's true. I like that the, the station's winding down and playing the anthem. Stop spitting indoors, dude. That is horrible. Horrible. So, because I, I was wondering, I was like, this is probably back in the day when radio stations actually had, like, end of broadcast days as opposed to just, like, playing. Like when the Canadian anthem used to come on television at night? Yeah. Remember that? When TV stations used to turn off? Yeah. They used to go off air <laughs> around, what, midnight or one o'clock till yeah. five in the morning or something? Yeah. I wonder if people would even know what that is. People who still watch television. Are there still stations out there where you would change them and be like, beep, beep? CBC's hiring uh, an English overnight in Toronto right now for anyone's listening. If you want to do what Stretch does, but in a totally different context for the CBC and do news reports on that hour and a half hour, they are hiring. Yeah, that is uh, absolutely true. I think that, because I'm not sure, because they played the anthem, which to me is like, that's the sign off, the radio station shutting down, but then she just turns on music. Is this just for herself? Probably, right? It could be for herself, but there are overnight shows that they'll put on like an album. Uh, I forget what radio station used to do this that I would tune into because they would play like the entire, they'd play like three Pink Floyd albums in mm-hmm. a row or something like that and then um, switch off to something that they'd recorded during the day. So maybe that's what she does. Mm-hmm. Just kicks back, does her paperwork. Yeah, that's definitely true. Throws on a whole album. <laughs> of good music. This radio station has a nice uh, look about it. All the sets in this have a really nice look about it. That's uh, Carol White is responsible for everything that you're looking at right now. Well, him and a massive team. But... I love the sliding door. Um, <clears throat> this We yeah. needed a sliding door, right? <laughs> for one. Yeah. But it looks a little heavy duty for just a radio station. It makes me think that this building has probably been refurbished from something else. Uh-huh. So like to me because it looks like um that looks like it would be a meat locker. Like yeah. like so this th- could have been a slaughterhouse at one time. Yeah. Cuz they've all shut down and that's why the Sawyers have to do what they do and they've all been turned into things like radio stations. Mm-hmm. Because I was thinking about that. Uh, well, I was rewatching this uh, gang, if you must know, last night, and I was thinking about that the whole time. I was like looking at that door, and I was thinking, "Oh my God! Like, why is that heavy metal door even present?" And I thought, "Yeah, I bet you this entire building used to be a slaughterhouse or something." Looks a lot like it. It really looks like it. The more I think about it, 
And boom, a star is born. Oh, completely. Except that if I walked into the lounge and saw that, I would walk right away and call the police. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why she's entertaining him whatsoever, let alone give him the tour. I love the tour scene. I watch it over and over again in clips on YouTube Mm -hmm. because I have no life. But yeah, A Star is Born is right. Hello, Mr. Mosley. Yeah, Bill Mosley playing the character of Chop Top. Now, when I originally was seeing this film back in the day, I wasn't sure who Chop Top was because Chop Top is not a character present in the previous films. And because of his appearance and because of his, shall we say, affliction, I always wondered, is it the hitchhiker that has somehow survived? Yeah, thinking like he was hit by the truck, but like... Did he survive? And is this why he has this wound? But then he makes it clear that he sustained these injuries in the war. Mm. So I can see that confusion. Because he even has like that birthmark thing kind of on his face. Mm-hmm. It's not the hitchhiker, though. No, it is not the hitchhiker. And isn't that birthmark on the opposite side? It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like young Frankenstein. Wasn't your hump on the other side? And at this point, that could be blood and not a birthmark at all. Because right now he looks pretty fucking weird. Um, Apparently it's his brother. It's Mm -hmm. a hitchhiker's brother Mm -hmm. who was away at war during the last time we hung out with the Sawyer family. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chop Top having a really interesting look about him because he does very much look like a hippie from the 1960s. And I always wondered... (laughs) Rubber man. Um, I always wondered if, uh, if Chop Top got his look from someone that they killed decades ago. And just like, this is my clothes now. Yeah, pulled them out of a trunk of a car. and Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and he also wants to blend in, you know? It's like a radio station. What am I going to wear to the radio station? I got to dress like someone who likes music, you know? <laughs> I'll just put on that dead musician's clothes. Oh my god, yeah, right? Um, no, because he kind of looks like fucking, like, one of the Beatles out of, like, the Yellow Submarine type era. Kind of, yeah. Right? Which I'm pretty sure uh, would probably be the idea. There he is, spelling out the exit sign for you. Exit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, like, one of my very favorite Chop Top moments. Apparently Bill Mosley got this role from being a massive fan of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and doing a video of him imitating the hitchhiker character uh, in some sort of like a spoof video or something like that. Toby Hooper saw it and really liked it. Really? And um, and said that if he ever wanted to... Uh, Bill Mosley said, hey, if you ever need me for anything, or Toby Hooper said, if I ever need you for anything, and a couple of years later called him and said, this is your role. Um, one of the fucking most interesting things about Bill Mosley's character is this choice of scratching himself with this hanger. It's so weird, and I can't think of another character that has like a weird body tick like this gold member maybe yeah gold member like if we're going to talk comedy here and surreal characters mm-hmm. uh, I can hardly watch that Austin Powers show oh, because you're not of that, put that whole, in your mouth are yeah you? <laughs> that, that I can't uh, see oh yeah that that he just did that. He just did yeah. the gold member thing. Yeah, he definitely um, eats the skin that he's scratching on. No, we don't know. He's wearing a wig right now, so we don't really know uh, what he's doing. 
Yeah, we're just assuming he's scratching his head. He's got like what impetigo or something. Who knows what yeah, he's got? Psoriasis. If or we don't know, yeah, like something uh, wicked dandruff. I don't know what is it. Cradle cap. Yeah, <laughs> cradle cap. Disgusting. Yeah. All those disgusting afflictions you can have with your skin and your fucking hair. Ugh, it's gross just thinking about it. But you've actually probably, if you've ever had a cast or something, you've had that itch. You just can't scratch quite right mm-hmm. so a heated fucking oh it's chainsaw dance uh, get used to that guys that's a heated fun. hook would probably do the thing but yeah we do get a lot of uh, awesome chainsaw dancing mm-hmm. and awesome chainsaw action in this it's really true and here comes the employment see like it's because of that lock that makes me specifically think that this was a meat locker you know what i'm saying like there's yeah. no re- there's no call for having a door like that in a radio station or thinking of any other building it had been repurposed from. Yeah. The only thing really would be uh, an abattoir of some sort. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. <laughs> fucking picking up his freaking wig. Now, why would a fan of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre be disappointed by this when what you wanted was a chainsaw massacre? Here you go. You get all kinds of chainsaw action. It's hard to really say. Um I, I think it's just the tonal shift. It's because it's the pastels. It's the, it's it's such a brighter movie. But again, like you're dealing with like, like you could never Ooh. really duplicate the aesthetic. Oh, I know, sweetheart. I know. That's I bad. tried to not look. That's and bad. I looked I by accident. He's scratching the skin, guys. She doesn't like it. It's okay. It's almost over. I know. I, I'll watch. Like I'll keep watching. But it's whenever he like pulls a chunk off and puts it in his mouth that I just like. <laughs> it's gross. It's super we'll always gross. Always find gross. Like what a fucking disgusting habit. Um. Yeah, this is. <laughs> by the time Stretch like encounters these guys, she will scream, and man, will she scream! It's not as cloying as say Cujo or the first one when Sally's screaming for the last half of the film. Mm-hmm. I find it's a little more guttural. Yeah. Huskier. She's got a huskier voice anyways. It's like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just more throaty. Um, but, like, this door is, like, fucking immune. Fucking going through all this shit. Music <laughs> is my life. That's been sampled. There's many bits that have been sampled in um, industrial music, random industrial music. Mm-hmm. Uh, Asylum uses it. Skinny Puppy uses it. Mal Havoc. They have a song, S-C-E-X. Mm-hmm. On the release album from, I guess, late 80s, early 90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it, like, Canadian Toronto-based industrial act, Mel Havoc is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think that, like, one of the things that I need, I want people to understand is, like, even though, like, this movie, like, didn't launch as many ships as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it, people fucking love this movie, and man... It has inspired a lot of people as well, not to be uh, taken lightly. Well, LG coming back here with the coffees is awful sweet of him. I could go for a coffee right now, actually. Well, yeah, you could take um, House of Thousand Corpses and blend it with Lords of Salem, and poof, you have Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, in a way. That's a good point. A lot yeah, of the absolutely. Uh, personalities. I think that uh, Carolyn Williams is cast really perfectly yeah, as good, this it's, like it's good. female, like a hard, hard and hardworking female yeah. lead and, and who's also like got that normal femininity and sensi- sensitivity to her aside from the hard badassness very believable as a radio dj i think especially for this era of radio and <laughs> lick my plate you dog dick perfect <laughs> 
Oh my god. Could you imagine anything more fucking frightening than coming into your work and that motherfucker is there? And then all of a sudden you're just getting pelted, 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 pelted by this fucking hammer. Really bad stage blows, though, I will say. Uh, I'm glad that Mr. Mosley had another, like, many, several years to hone his abilities. Yeah, it's not, um, it's not good. These shots right here are pretty good, I think. But it's when, it's it's two problems, honestly. Bill Mosley pulling... Uh, pulling back on the hammer, yeah, and um, LG here's reactions aren't exactly spot on either. It's hard to even really say that he's getting hit at all. Um, Maybe it's hard to concentrate with the chainsaw revving. It's hard to concentrate on the chainsaw uh, revving. Bill Mosley had talked about the fact that there was like 13, 14 takes of that, like just like constantly. Oh, really? oh, oh yeah, Toby Hooper just saying that um, he was just enjoying himself. Yeah, it's got to be some sort of fucking like that's not radio station gear. She's got this giant. It's, a, it's an ice. It's it's a, it's an ice hook. Like you yeah. grip ice with that. It's for grabbing big blocks of ice. So, yeah, right. Yeah, it definitely would be a repurposed uh, something abattoir slaughterhouse of some sort. Yeah, meat, meat yeah. locker. Yeah, where they, they would have packed the big cubes of ice in there to keep everything cool. Because you're probably dealing with a building that at this point in the 1980s is probably almost 100 years old. I've probably watched this you know 10 to 20 times in my life and it's just these little things that are completely lost to me you mm-hmm. know what i mean mm-hmm. completely lost to me until this very moment <laughs> well that's the great thing about you know doing this type of uh podcast oh geez i will i will like say like i love all the blood that's coming out of that guy's head that's fucking fantastic that looks fucking great this scene is so manic and one of the things that i think that um uh, that really is a strength for this film is how fevered the madness of the Sawyers is, right? One thing that's really a stretch for this character is Leatherface being hilarious. He's basically fucking the ice. Yeah, I don't... With the chainsaw. And it is scaring her and it's horrifying her and he could be like being funny right now. But do you think, is he distracted by her spread legs and wet skin and the screaming and the like almost sexy look of it all are you mad at me (laughs) is he turned on or is he just terrorizing her so turned on and confused i might add i would say confused because he is feeling things that he might not have ever really had a mental capacity for the opportunity for that it's like it's a uh, a budding sexuality in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre sexuality is completely bled out of this family there's nothing left it's all sadism it's all uh, torture it's all it's all madness um, but and and Leatherface himself is very much a blank yeah. there's nothing beyond that mask that until re- this very moment until that very because moment because Stretch also sort of gets it from him as well because she starts sort of saying these like double entendres while she's talking to him about the chainsaw itself yeah and these like how good are you how good are you in bed how good are you with that chainsaw how good are you as a person that you won't kill me like yeah. what does she mean by all this but yeah. she's just sort of feeding off this weird sex vibe that she's getting off of him, which is something we certainly didn't see in our previous friend, Leatherface. Mm-hmm. Well, this transfer looks great. The um, Everything from her glistening thighs to the 
clearly three different faces that compose Leatherface's mask. Everything looks great. Yeah, but like this dialogue is really strange, right? But it's because she's picked up rather quickly on this weird vibe that he's given her. Like, gang, I hope you're taking notes about how to seduce a lady. Yeah, first, fuck an ice bucket with a chainsaw. Then, lick your lips seductively. And oh, your rotten teeth. And your rotten teeth. Make sure she sees the one good one. We call him Old Chomper. <laughs> You're the best. I like how you wiggle the Simpsons reference. <laughs> Good job. High Thank five. you. Thank you. But it seems like he's about to like reach his climax or something. And I guess that's what would be like revving the chainsaw. Yeah, but see, like you never want to. You hate to see that. Can't yeah. Get his chainsaw going. Yeah. No. What he needs is a Viagra or some oil or could clean his spark plugs. My dad could have helped him out. Yeah, boy, I can tell you, I can use someone to clean my spark plugs. My God, Wes. <laughs> so now he's pissed. And this is what, blue balls? This is, um, yeah. Or, or That's like, a neat way to deal with your blue balls. Do a little chainsaw dance. Do a little chainsaw dance. Um, I wonder if that was his choice or if that was direction from Toby. Like, do a little dance. Of like, yeah, you're, you, you've, you're having feelings you've never really had before. You don't know how to cope. Mm-hmm. Um, you maybe like the sexual frustration, perhaps, or the fact that you're mad at yourself because you don't want to kill her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Little fucking thrust mode. She's like, I love the, her look. Her look when he's doing that is fucking fantastic. I've given that exact same look when men do the whole groin grab thing to sort of like... Uh, insult you, especially if you've like re- like refused advances of mm-hmm. any sort. And I've made that exact same face. So I know where that's coming from. So many women watching this can really truly relate to Stretch. I think more so than a lot of other final girls, mm-hmm. because you wouldn't react in that way. Or when a man treats you really poorly, you you want you know you would slap them in the face or say something. Where women in film a lot of times don't do anything. Uh, at least Stretch fucking reacts. <laughs> There's. There's uh, definitely that. This a bonus body. That's <laughs> another one of those quotes that we would uh, throw. I still throw that out. I'm pretty sure time. I've heard you say bonus body. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought that what Leatherface was doing was trying to make a big old ruckus. So it really seemed like he did kill her and her screaming would seem authentic. Because I don't really think that he comes across as mad. Or maybe he's trying to demonstrate how good he is with that chainsaw. Watch me fuck up this room, baby. It's all of those things at once, I really feel. It's really all of those things at once. Like, this whole film is um, a statement on rich and poor, country, city, uh, man and woman, sex in the saw. Mm-hmm. It is really so multi-layered, his reaction right there. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's all of those things, I think. Yeah. I think that's sometimes the downfall of film theory is trying to pin it as just one reaction. That all he was doing was trying to live up to his legacy and make it seem like he killed her so he wouldn't get in trouble, quote unquote, for leaving her alive. Or it's only because he has a boner. Like, it's not any of those one thing. It's a mix of all those things, I think. Yeah, that's to be very true. Now... The original plan was that Lefty was supposed to show up, give her a hand with this whole situation. You flush him out, I show up, 
and then we uh, nail the bastards. Well, Lefty never showed up. And uh, it's only by the grace of God and, you know, the bulbous, throbbing tip that his Leatherface's chainsaw that she didn't die in this scenario because she very well could have just been killed. Oh, completely. And and there was no way that Lefty would have any idea that Leatherface would spare. That is an absolute 100% fluke of this whole situation. Some of the best plot points are built on flukes. I was watching a film the other day, Abnormal Beauty, and there were like maybe three or four times where I'm like, I don't know what to expect anymore from this film. And there was like two, three times that I was very surprised by the turn of events. And I love that in, a, in film and script when it's not just going according to the textbook. Mm. No, that's true. Here we are at Texas Battleland. Especially people aren't reliable. I try to not rely on fucking people as much as I can. So here we go. Lefty's not reliable. Fucking surprise. <laughs> it's a little more realistic. Her going after them maybe isn't so much because I think that if I had just escaped death like that myself, I would be going to the police, not chasing after them. And there's no indication about why the police wouldn't be able to help in this scenario. Right? It's not like, well, the police will never believe it. I was like, your station has been completely trashed. There's a massive pool of blood on the floor. Your coworker's missing. She doesn't know that. But, I mean, it won't take long to figure that fucking shit out. Especially with all the blood on the floor. Yeah. She now has their license plate. I mean, maybe it belongs to somebody else. Like, it probably does because they're, like, serial killers and all. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's something. It's something to go on. Now, if I wanted to get someone's attention, the first thing I would do is drive menacingly behind them <laughs> as fast as I could. Isn't that nice of him? Yeah, it's so He's weird. there to help, right? Yeah, he's there to help. I, like, almost run her over. Even he was like, oh, I'm just trying to get your attention. Like, what are you talking about? Look at you. You're just, dr like, especially this shit. Like, I'm just going to drive in this fucking tunnel. <laughs> terrifying and a perfect hellmouth a perfect gate to the underworld i think oh yeah this is all types of um different interpretations but she literally plunges into the depths of hell an entirely new world and another sort of fluke either if he wouldn't have chased her all that way this wouldn't have fucking happened if he would have stopped or maybe if she would have stopped and looked and thought hey that's that dickhead lefty yeah, yeah. And this is Lefty's explanation. Um, he wanted them to attack, lead, to, to attack yeah. and lead her to, or lead him to the lair. Because if, if he killed, let's say he killed uh, Chop Top and Leatherface, there's still more members of the Sawyer family there. This is like the worst fucking idea. It's like, ah, you know, but a hand, a, a, a rotten hand. The, like... Yeah, he probably thought it was a stick. They weren't going for, like, this whole uh, David and, and God touching in the clouds look either, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all a fluke. That asshole. <laughs> he could have used his own hand. He could have stretched, <laughs> wink, wink, down to help her. Yeah, well, she could have stretched and he could have used his left hand. Yeah. <laughs> Evil. Lefty and right. This is practically like an amusement park. It is. It's way more fun than the chicken feather and bone room in the first one. Yeah, absolutely. This is where you really see 
the effects of a much larger budget oh my and and more sway will get you where instead of this dusty old house which looks fantastic i love i love the house uh in the texas chainsaw massacre but this very much feels like a set because it is a set and it's so funny i was watching um one of playhouse I was watching Pee-wee's Playhouse, and no, I was it watching... It reminds me of Pee-wee's Playhouse, that's why. Yeah. Or Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh. Yeah. This whole scene here. We're like sleeping in the dinosaur head and shit? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just was going to say that I thought it was funny that watching the documentary, uh, one of the documentaries that accompanies this Blu-ray, and, and everyone on set was complaining about the long hours and how hot and uncomfortable it was and I kept thinking I was like you know everyone that worked originally on this was dealing with the actual Texas heat and the actual like fact that it wasn't a set and I was like this is a set like how uncomfortable could it possibly be and and then it just I was like you know what it just goes to show you that no no matter what in the moment everyone is as miserable as they can be like it doesn't matter what anyone else has ever endured or what you've endured before no one's ever happy. The hours are always too long. It's always too hot. Yeah. Like. Yeah. People bitch and moan and complain. People bitch. That's the theme of today's episode, kids. <laughs> people bitch and moan and complain. And always, they're not fucking reliable. I always like this big fucking statue in the background with like the big, uh, the knife. I always thought that was really cool. It's kind of strange because it's sort of a play on the uh, black power symbol mm-hmm. in a way. Which is really strange. I don't know much about race relations in this area at this time, but I'm Texas. I'm gonna say not good. Yeah, I'm <laughs> gonna guess not good. Yes. Not, not good. Uh, this scene is actually you'd almost think that there's a little bit of like Evil Dead action gonna be happening here, seeing like the walls start bleeding and shit. And you know what? It's not fucking far off. No, it's not really far off. I'd watched Corpse Party last night, the uh, four-part animation. And this reminds me a lot of that as well. I remember this was edge of my seat viewing as a teen. Uh, this is where I was like, what the actual fuck? Oh my God. I thought that they were going to go into a farmhouse and get chased around. What the fuck is going on? Nah, instead you are in this twisted carnival world of violence. You know, th- at this point, <laughs> fuck. Thank you, Toby Hooper, for the twisted carnival world of violence because yeah. I wouldn't have anywhere to call home otherwise. And we well, wouldn't have things like Rob Zombie. <laughs> no, Dennis Hopper is like straight up ruining this fucking place. I love that he's just screeching. He's just fucking screeching. Like this entire time, like you're looking at a motherfucker. Look, Lydia, you're looking at a guy with two chainsaws holstered in his belt. Yeah. Like revolvers mm-hmm. and wheeling a giant chainsaw, screaming like no words, just screaming. Yeah. Sawing random shit. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you're here to help? I don't understand. First of all, I don't understand why they can't hear him. Because that type of shouting and chainsaw revving through these tunnels has got to be picking up. Yeah, like a mine shaft, it really must be. Yeah. Unless there's enough noise around them that they're dist- they're not distracted by it. Like, they think that that's all normal. Mm. It's probably noise here and there when they have victims that are hanging out. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, did you ever find it interesting that like they they name Leatherface in this like Bubba? Bubba? And I don't I don't it's just like. Just a joke. Though. Is it? Is it? I thought... that's just a joke name. That's not his real name. No. Bubba. I don't know. Well, it I seems... guess it's Texas. His name could fucking be Bubba by birth. 
Yeah, Bubba. Jesus Christ. Jesus no, I think it's just a joke, too. And it's also like, I think it was born out of having to refer to him as, like, by a name. Mm-hmm. Like, my brother Bubba, because he was going out in public, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because that's not as, that can't be his real name. <laughs> Always the businessman. Uh, I love Drayden. I love Drayden. I love him in this. I love him in the original. Like, like Jim C. Dude does an amazing job in this. And he's just fucking hollering and fucking kicking everyone in the ass. And like, as much as I want a Chop Top show, I also want a Drayden show. I could just, <laughs> I could watch Drayden and Chop Top. And, um, what was that? Old 37 about the, uh, it's, uh, Kane Hodder and, Bill Mosley as ambulance attendants that aren't actually ambulance attendants. They just drive around fucking watching people die and helping them along because they're twisted fucks. Uh, it's, a re- it's a decent little movie as far as new B-grade horror goes, but that's what I was kind of hoping for, and you sort of get a little shade of that. It's sort of the Chop Top and Drayton show, but not really. Yeah, absolutely. We go Leatherface just like cutting fucking human flesh off with one of those like fucking electric turkey carvers or whatever. Well, I think that that would be the best tool for the job. Would it? I think so. Mm. I think it would work very, very well. It's pretty good. It would get it off the bone pretty good too, because you don't. It's not sharp enough to run the risk of carving into bone, so you're not gonna get bone fragments with it. Yeah, absolutely. This is like fucking like this is one of those scenes where I'm like, this is pretty gruesome. Yeah. Pretty fucking gruesome scene that not a lot of people talk about. A lot. I like that there's a lot going on in the background, too. So it's very overwhelming visually. A lot of this from here on in is uh, overwhelming visually. And oh, yeah. Everything from, like, all the shapes and skulls and stuff on the walls, like, molded into the walls. Now, I do not trust that the electric carving knife is the best tool for the job when it comes to taking a face off. You definitely want a filleting knife when you're doing that or something extremely sharp because you're not going to get it away from the small, very small layer of fat on the face. You're probably going to nick bone and you're probably going to tear your skin face. Oh, God, you don't want that. No, God. But you know what? If there's anyone who should be really good at cutting faces off i think it'd be leatherface he's pretty good at cutting faces off he did a good job with that one no wonder he's awfully proud of himself mm-hmm. that's a fucking great looking meat cleaver like just like that yeah something straight out of diablo isn't it <laughs> i know yeah. right? i was like that doesn't exist on earth there's no reason to make something shaped like that this is what i wanted from future incarnations of diablo from the first diablo but i guess i just like Texas Chainsaw Massacre a little bit too much to be tying the two together the first time I played Diablo. No, but they could definitely do it like a, a video game environment. It could easily be this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They could fucking make that scene by scene. But what we need is a TCM RPG. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. For me. It's anyway. like you take on the role of, of your... You can create your own member of the Sawyer family and like like try to like go through and evade police not get caught capture teenagers like sell sell your meat there could be all these different like layers that's way better than my roller derby rpg idea for sure <laughs> you know what i could fucking i could get behind an idea like that because mm-hmm. it's like 
you capture people to farm their meat. You get the meat to buy, to, to get money at like chili cook-offs and stuff like that in town. And then you use that money to buy better equipment to, to kill, harder to kill people. And yeah, and be less noticeable. Less maybe. noticeable, yeah. have like stealth or better weapons or like get a, upgrade your van to like evade police and stuff like that. There's all kinds, there's a lot of possibilities. Guys, you game developers out there, yeah. call me. We like, definitely need to script this up because I would definitely play this game. Yeah. Oh my God. Could you imagine what that smells like? What that feels like? That is fucking horrendous. It probably smells pretty good. I'm a rare steak kind of girl, so it probably smells not so bad. But uh, she is, everything around them probably smells horrible. And I tell you, she is not feeling it. No, I guess not. Would you? No, I'm not entirely sure what he plans. She wants him to help her. And and I think that initially, oh, I get it. This is a disguise? Or you just lie here and they're going to think you're one of the many dead people. And they won't even notice you. Because like, I'm not exactly sure what else he's trying to do. But then you get the, you also understand... Well, he doesn't. He never wants her to leave. He just wants to like dance with her and be weird and shit. Have a friend. Have a friend. For once, yeah. Partially a new family member, perhaps. He's mm-hmm. indoctrinating her. It's some sort of like rite of passage to have this nice face stuck on hers. Mm-hmm. Now he's just like sending her on like this crazy dancing. This is a fucked up scene if you really think about it. He like he has he is now dancing with a girl who has the face of another human being put on her, and he's just like dancing, dancing whimsical as fuck. And then we just cut back to the most useless fucking human being in the world. What lefty. is he doing? What is he doing? He doesn't know what he's doing. I'm pretty sure he's also doesn't care if this place collapses with him in it as long as they are stopped and killed. So I guess that's the point of what he's doing. Maybe, or, like, maybe he's trying to, like, collapse certain parts of the area so they can't leave, Partially, sealing it in. Yeah, so it's, it's just going to be, he's going to back them all into a corner. He's also suffering a, li- a little bit of chainsaw madness. Like, it is an exhilarating and interesting feeling to have that sort of power in your hands. Not to mention that weird vibration stoned, like feeling that you get when you're holding something that vibrates like that yeah um like your hands get like that weird like horrible numb feeling yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that goes all the way up your bones like you can feel that thing rattling your spine Mm -hmm. and your eyes like if you're trying to look at something straight on uh isn't that sad it's super sad yeah because you know they might have been flirting and palsy when they worked together but now he has no face that has got to hurt. <laughs> or do you think it would be so fucked up? Like, you wouldn't even... What would you even feel? Like, you would feel some pain, but... He still got it in him to spit all over the fucking oh place. God, it's fucking disgusting. That's so gross. It is so gross. I'm glad... Like, I heard they stopped this in baseball. Like, people... Baseball players used to spit all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the all-American game, isn't it? That's their national sports. Maybe mm-hmm. that's their national thing. Is to just spit all over the place? I don't know. If it just seemed like the proper manly man, American man thing to do, that's what LG is. Mm-hmm. This is where she realizes finally that this monstrously skinned guy is LG. She didn't know that he had come back to the radio station, uh... 
end, but now she does, though. I'm surprised she didn't recognize his hat, though. That's the one thing that bothered me is... I, I can, he, his face is not recognizable. The mm-hmm. way it's being carved off and stuck on hers. Like, all of this. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not necessarily recognizable, but it's hat is. I like... I'm like I find it very sweet that he's um trying to <laughs> trying to free her. Uh, it's very fucking scary because he's just like swiping his arm. But he's got sort of the same um, motions as Grandpa in the first one. Yeah, trying to bludgeon Sally, where he doesn't have a lot of muscle control or motor control. Mm-hmm. It's quite sweet though, with his last ounce of strength. Like that's what he manages to do, free her. I guess I'm falling apart on you, honey. That's a funny, uh, funny line. It's probably a song lyric. I'm just guessing. Maybe. Um, you know, she seems uh, genuinely uh, bent out of shape about this. I kind of like this. Is kind of going back to like what I was saying about that scene in Blood Rage, where where uh, he finds his doctor and like put tries to put her torso back together. Like you're all right. You're all right. This is fine. And she's kind of doing the same thing here. She takes off his horrible skin mask and, well, he's clearly dead now. And and she just puts that face back on. <laughs> I was like, there, you see, you're fine. You're, you're all right. So sad. It's it very, so very sad. sad. And God, like, it doesn't even, like, virtually unrecognizable, right? Like, you're like, who the fuck is that anymore? Uh, they do, like, Rob Zombie does a better job of having that slack face, skinned face, look somewhat recognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, when Otis is wearing the face of the father, where it's somewhat recognizable. But yeah, he doesn't look anything like LG, really. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, see that? Now you love him. Now that he's dead. There's a song for that. Probably, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, now she's basically got to determine to get herself out of this fucking place if she can even figure it out. I'd be so tempted to taste that meat hanging. You know, it's probably like smoked to perfection. Oh, God. You think so? Probably. He knows what he's doing. I mean, the whole town loves him. He loves this town. Legal meat? What's legal going on about this meat? They have to make it legal. Oh. Yeah. Get the FDA to inspect it and not exactly where they prepare it, but where they're saying they're preparing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think this is a licensed kitchen. <laughs> I do love the look. The skulls everywhere. Um, yeah. Although the aesthetic of the first one with like the bone furniture and things like that uh, was a little more believable. Yeah. This, of course, like, granted, this is a generation mm-hmm. um, spent building this fortress, this underground carnival fortress mm-hmm. full of dead bodies and, and bones and things like that. So, sure, they'd have more of it, but it is a little too high art to be believable, which takes a lot of the fear out of it for me. <laughs> like, unfortunately, our life imitating art or art imitating life that cannibals have now in this common era fed the meat of slaughtered victims to people to see it in this in such a comedic background belies belief that is very true um although it does answer the question once and for all who the artist is 
Because it's got to be Leatherface. He's the only one that's... The checker didn't live. Yeah. And it's still artsy. He's been homemaking since last we've seen him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's done a wonderful job. To the point that it's almost like he must have had someone in to come do this. That's true. I mean, I mean, in my opinion, there's a, there's a little too many Christmas lights. It's a little uh, frat housey to me with all the Christmas lights. But I think ultimately... Who do you think that body is? I've always like of the, the the guy that Chop Top has. Just random. Just a rando. Yeah, I really yeah never really thought to think of who it would be. Well, I, I think like he's wearing a medicine pouch like the hitchhiker had in the first movie, and but he's also wearing military gear. So I'm always super confused. Like I find it really interesting who he might be. I never really give it much thought. Who knows if Chop Chop came home from the war mm-hmm. and then took his uniform off and dressed up as dead brother with it, perhaps? It's true. Like, I'm wondering, could that be, could that be the hitchhiker's body that they've just decided to keep and turn it into like a puppet that he runs around with? Oh, they spend a lot of time with him. And yeah, it would be fun and a way to keep him included in what's going on, we'll have to look and see if there is a uh, birthmark on the face of this cadaver. That's there true. isn't much left of his face, though. There really isn't. And and honestly, like in these scenes right now, he doesn't have his medicine pouch. But I, I promise you, like in the previous scenes that we see that body, he is wearing the exact same pouch that the hitchhiker had. Lovely. With burnt pictures in it and everything. Could you imagine? That would make sense. And it would be a way for him to pay homage to his brother who wasn't able to go to war. It was obviously too crazy. And when he straps the cadaver on, he's far more animated mm-hmm. and he's putting on a show. Mm-hmm. And Chop Chop's definitely the more reserved brother of the two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not by fucking much, but he is. Not by fucking much, which is crazy because it's like, well, the, the Hitchhiker was so was such a coiled spring in the first movie, right? Whereas, like, Chop Top seems, like, pretty goofy, but he also seems like he can be pretty serious. Yeah, the cadaver's a little too far gone to see if there is a birthmark. But, you know, we could uh, spend another time watching this over and over again. And definitely figure that out if there's any mention. That or, like, do the lazy person thing and just creep the internet. Yeah, see what what the internet says. Yeah, It's just something that I just observed, like, right... Like, I thought of right now. Like, I never really thought of it because but i was always curious like who's that body supposed to be who who do you think that is speaking of bodies we're about to get uh the cameo to end all cameos oh poor franklin sad stuff huh mm-hmm. i always I, I i was gonna ask you why do you think that like franklin was the one that got the the cameo but then I was like, because he would have been the most recognizable with the wheelchair. Wheelchair, yeah. It's a lot yeah. easier to put a, a skeletal corpse in something that was such a noticeable prop. <laughs> That's a fucking funny touch. The 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 the, the flashlight. Because they're just thinking about, like, give me that flashlight. No, no, I got the flashlight. I was like, well, you still have the flashlight. You won. Yeah. No, I would, like, to be a nitpicker, I mean, it doesn't really look like he's wearing the same type of clothes that Franklin was wearing when he died, but... They could have dressed him up. Who they, knows? Yeah. They like to have all kinds of fun and games down here, so they kind of get away with anything. Mm-hmm. It's funny because, like, in this moment when uh, Lefty finally sees uh, Franklin, 
who uh, one of uh, his family member, one of his family members that, uh, well, his family member that he failed to save. Yeah. Um, Masaldi's saved is not well. Yeah, she's catatonic, but uh, she's alive, and and he just settles down for a couple of minutes just to say his goodbyes to Franklin and apologize. Uh, it's a nice scene. Dennis Hopper is really great in this, but then right after that, he's right back to screeching, and that is going to be his fucking setting for the rest of this movie. It's just yelling. We just saw a different cadaver in a wheelchair. How do we know that wasn't Franklin? <laughs> Lefty had no idea about the flashlight. That's true. That's there for us, specifically. Yeah, yeah. How absolutely. many cadavers they got in wheelchairs around here? It is actually pretty funny to think about. Can you imagine, like, that whole time he was like, I'm sorry, Franklin, I'm sorry. Like, five feet in the other direction is actually Franklin's body. Yeah, and the ghost of Franklin's like, you lunkhead. It's like, I can't believe cannot believe that you're the idiot that is going to avenge my name <laughs> don't you recognize my ride dick <laughs> this is always nice touches here walks past that body again all these bodies that have been strung up as that uh craziness that's going on this carnival atmosphere mm-hmm how like confusing street. and scary. It's set up to terrify in a way. Disorient. Yeah. That or it's just home sweet home. Fuck. And then in comes Leatherface. With its fucking crazy dance. Yeah, the things that all fright parks are made of right there. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's it, right? I was watching a, a YouTube clip uh, about a haunt uh, not too long ago. And sure enough, they definitely had like the big guy with the chainsaw that just kind of comes in and just doing that right and i was like there it is we had that in a little kids sort of haunt it was made with me and a bunch of 13 year olds Mm -hmm. uh, when i was a camp counselor and the very end of the little scare basement that we had set up ended with that a chainsaw dance a chainless chainsaw all sorts of noise confusion oh really yeah it works I like that, like, Dennis Hopper, like, cutting all this type of shit, thinks that he's helping, but, you know, in actuality, like, almost, like, doomed this woman's life. Her life isn't that important to him, unfortunately. That's true. I don't think it has been from the get-go, with all the little tiny digs he throws out at her, um, minimizing her, calling her Missy and girl, and things like that, continuously, and whoever wants to go in and study this for its... Uh, feminist foibles, feel free. And now, now I'll stretch has given her, given him the uh, "it's not you, it's me" conversation, and yeah, I can't do this. It's not gonna work out. I'm having a moment here. <laughs> this is where you get the idea that the fucking Sawyer family kind of even finds the idea of. Uh, sex repulsive entirely yeah and that it will do nothing but bring ruin among them yeah yeah separate them separate them separate them it will have uh and they'll be forced to take an interloper if that were to ever happen (laughs) and (laughs) leatherface's look there (laughs) perhaps part of the problem too is that if they were ever indoctrinated into the wily ways of women let alone sex 
And then they can't have a fucking girlfriend. Mm -hmm. No, Bubba does not have a girlfriend. Um, If that were to happen, then one of them would be sex triggered. And it's only men around them all the time. Do they want to really live up to that horrible slur of mountain folk and country people fucking sheep and being gay and being fudge packers he's already like accused them of being fudge packers drayton did way earlier in the movie mm-hmm. so if one of them did ever get a boner that they didn't just take care of themselves there's a fear that maybe because they're all men in this household one of them might get anally raped by the other so maybe they just want to keep that that sex thing to a fucking dull roar in fact turn it right off so that none of us accidentally fuck one another he called it the cock and cunt swindle. <laughs> <laughs> Stop calling her Miss Jesus Murphy, guys. No good? They don't know her. That's true. Well, they want to finish her off right now. Guess just get rid of her. And burn her like a rat. That's another thing that I've uh, thrown out sometimes at inappropriate moments, unfortunately. Oh, God, really? Well, I tend to forget that not everyone's a horror fan. <laughs> you, do, you do forget that a lot. You're like, what? Everyone likes horror movies. Like, they don't, Lydia. What? <laughs> Turn traitor. This is an interesting line, Sex of the Saw. Sex is... Well, well nobody, nobody knows. knows. But the Saw... The Saw is family. It's a really interesting line. I like it a lot. Sex or the saw. Yeah. And the saw is family. Sex is, well, nobody knows. Yeah, it's a beautiful (laughs) scene. And sums up a lot of our confusion and conversation about why they're so sex repulsed are they sex averse um, do they rape the corpses probably not like the, are they sexual beings no mm-hmm. and this... which uh armchair do you prefer um so i'm glad you asked boy am i glad you asked i like this one but i like the one I like the chairs that the 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 corpses the corpses sitting in, or like the one across from that. Yeah, the one that no one's sitting in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really fucking cool. It's a wonderful looking fucking chair. I mean, you got. Uh, I've never really like watched this Game of Thrones thing, but I've yeah. seen the picture of the throne, mm-hmm. and I don't. Is that throne actually featured in the show? Yeah, yeah, that's, is, that's the, the Iron Throne. That's the. There big... really is a Game of Thrones in the, Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, it sort of reminds me of that, mm-hmm. and it's like. Did you rip that off somehow, you know, from Texas Chainsaw Massacre? How cool these bone chairs look. I would um, love, I've asked actually friends that do find uh, moose and deer corpses in the bushes, uh, if they ever do find an, a nicely bleached out one to let me know, because I'd love to manufacture mm-hmm. a nice bone chair. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, like up at our cottage, there's a lot of people that find old deer bones and, and all kinds of stuff sitting we have big old antlers hanging outside of our cottage that have been there uh i bet you before i was born and uh i think that's where they came from ethical bone art it's all about ethical bone art kids (laughs) you don't want to go killing people you don't need to yeah so who's this who's this charming fella they've wheeled out well grandpa is back and now before in the original movie 
uh, I was saying how, you know, I was getting where the character was supposed to be 108 years old in the movie. This time, Drayton very blatantly says that Grandpa is 137 years old, which would make him the oldest person that's ever lived. Pretty crazy. A lot of weird and wacky things happen in the world that our bean counters don't get a hold of. Mm -hmm. I could see him being the oldest person in the world, undocumented. You know, you do, if you eat less and eat a high-protein, high-fat diet, you do tend to live longer. Like those old ladies that live in the mountains and drink nothing but goat milk. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, has, you know, I can, I can get, I can believe it. I can get behind Grandpa being, what, 137, you say? 137 years old. Doesn't look a day over 108. <laughs> you know what's kind of funny is that now... He's actually even a little bit more lively in this film than he was in the previous movie. Which is almost an accident and a mistake, I feel. Yeah. Well, that's my shitty attitude. And I don't usually like to pick part movies and nitpick too badly, but he should look older and act older and not be as spry. Mm -hmm. He definitely... But again, like we're, we're into the realm where the Sawyer family has become a lot more animated in general. And that... Includes grandpa. You can't stop the ravages of age, Wes. <laughs> but again, we're back to this plot point that was in the original film, which I find it really interesting is that we're going back to the idea that we're going to get grandpa to kill the girl. What, like, what is it about this movie franchise where this seems to be what they want? I love the little rat that was crawling out of the chili trophy. The, the, the that chili was so trophy. adorable. Um, I like this, but you know what? If they showed us the Sawyers on a regular day, there wouldn't be a very interesting movie. So they're going to show us on these highlight days of their lives, the days where Grandpa comes and gets to beat the girl because he's been resting all mm -hmm. this time in between. And it is a special occasion. They just won a chili cook-off. Everyone's mm -hmm. excited. And again, this this fucking show is like, don't you worry, Grandpa's a one hitter. I was like, he's not. No, he's fucking not. He, he's yeah. not. He can barely hold that thing. But that's you know the niceties of family, where you're saying you know like, oh, so and so makes the very best cheesecake, and someone from outside tastes it, and they're like, it's not very good. They think to themselves, mm -hmm. or might say out loud if they're an honest slash rude person. <laughs> Or, you know, everyone doesn't really think it's the greatest, but they say that. It's that sort of attitude, I think. Mm -hmm. This dinner scene really is a great example of, like, we have more money now. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, everything is just so much more expensive. And look at the... Oh, there's, like, a spread, a buffet before, you know, dinner time. Aside from all its fun and screaming and weird background music... Uh, they didn't have a lot. It was mostly a lot of uh, meat products, like mm -hmm. blood pudding and ham and sausage. Yeah, you know? head cheese and all that head kind of stuff. Head cheese, that was the one I was forgetting. I, I kind of like head cheese, I do. I've never had it. I'm going to have to get some so that you can taste it. I'll go down to Sasslov's and find some. Like if my mom were still alive, she would make you some delicious head cheese <laughs> fucking grandpa here like licking that ladle it's so gross it's like a baby right i know no different than a, like a toddler here gross yeah is right jesus doesn't even know what he's doing 
No, she's just fucking wailing. Wonderful screaming. Yeah. Wonderful screaming. I think this is, it's probably scenes like this where my dad would hear me watching it and then come in and be like, why are you watching this again? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I will say, like, he's even getting, at least he's able to hold on to the hammer in this version of the movie. Because in the previous, not for very long, but uh, this fucking creepy-ass close-up shot that they're going to be doing. Like, fuck. The detail on this makeup is fucking amazing. Um, Again, they did the trick of having a, a young actor play a very, very old person. Tom Savini doing this makeup. Apparently, it took about nine hours to get all of that fucking shit on, and I believe it everything there's there's caps on the eyes it's fucking fantastic and ooh, i'm sorry I that's okay i'm sorry i shouldn't have looked <laughs> that's all but i can't not like that's the beauty of horror film right there encapsulated in my reactions to greasy grossy yucky spit mouth horror mm-hmm. that i really have a visceral very very physical reaction to it and it's not that I can't look away, because I do, time and time again, but I look to it to see it, unfortunately. It's a horrible reaction. I'm going to have to talk to Amy Jane Vosper about that. Mm-hmm. Because he definitely has, like, one good shot on her head there. But then, like, Drayton's just like, I'm done. Out you go. It is almost like treating him like a little kid, too, because there's, like, so many times when little kids will be like... They'll, they'll be expected or asked or it's the novelty of them doing something and the parent is the person that actually does it. If you're on the city bus, you see little kids try to ring the bell or whatever all the time and the parent mm-hmm. actually does it but there's a lot of fanfare around pretending that the kid is doing it. Same sort of thing with Grandpa. Yeah, as we're fucking listening to like bringing in the sheaves. <laughs> oh my god. This is an entrance... Like you fucking read about. And finally, it's crazy to me that they had no idea this entire time that this motherfucker was in here. Sawn down portions of their fucking base, screaming. Well, they know somebody's in there because they had accused Stretch of being the person that's fucking ruining the place up. Mm -hmm. But they were so preoccupied with hanging out with her that they didn't go looking for the actual person that was doing this. Mm -hmm. More or less forgot about him, caught up in all the tomfoolery that was clubbing her to death. Yeah. Or trying to. This could just be like a very R-rated version of like one of the Batman movies from the 90s. Just like with all like the crazy pop imagery going on. And just like how animated everyone is that fucking stance with that big chainsaw just like out there. You see a lot of those stances in uh, Berserk with Gots and his big sword. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gee, that's another dark, that's a dark anime series. A lot of big sword action, I'll tell you what. <laughs> a lot of naked dudes and big, big throbbing swords. I find it interesting that Drayton's fucking knee-jerk reaction to this guy is to try to pay him off. That is something that Drayton really cares about. He really cares about money. It's actually worked better for them, quite obviously, because they have things like Dr. Pepper on that table. It's not just all head yeah. and cheese and blood sausage. And money has afforded them that luxury. Money has definitely made it easier for them to blend in and continue doing what they're doing. More so than just killing people. Because just killing people served a lot of purpose for them, for sure. But it also had a lot of risk. Where paying money to people has very Mm -hmm. little risk at all. Especially when the money is endless because you're serial killers. That line that he gives is like, what is that? A new health food group is really fucking funny. 
just like a little sarcastic um comment about like yuppie lifestyle and like the change in people's like preferences on diet and stuff like that it's probably their favorite people to kill because they probably taste pretty darn good and they probably have a lot more disposable cash on them like carry cash and probably have a lot more interesting gadgets they're surrounded by all sorts of fun dibby doos and gee-gaws <laughs> so they probably really like to target yuppies yeah who wouldn't like nowadays it'd be hipsters right that would be like the fodder oh for sure for sure you want a drawer full of iPhones? Yeah, kill hipsters. Um, it's probably, in a way, the most that those people have ever contributed to society is in their deaths feeding a cannibal family. Poetic. I like it. This is where you get those rare instances where you get to see two people wielding chainsaws like they're fucking swords. Literally. Like, there's no... They're just, like, swinging them at each other. A real chainsaw fight, not a sword and chainsaw. No, no, no. Real chainsaw fight. Yeah, yeah. Chainsaw versus chainsaw. Which is ridiculous because they wouldn't be glancing off one another like that. Teeth are teeth. Chainsaw teeth are teeth. They would grab. One one chain would snap most definitely. It wouldn't go on like that and they wouldn't be able to glance off one another like this whatsoever. I guarantee you. I'd have to have my dad. He's the chainsaw wizard in the family. Mm -hmm. He would know and I'm going to definitely ask him. To critique this scene. Oh yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I uh, know about chainsaws having to see, he's got the medicine pouch. See it? It's not even Dr. Pepper. Sorry, I was totally focused on what kind of pop that was. <laughs> I love that, like Drayton, like a fucking Looney Tunes character gets like a chainsaw in the ass. <laughs> what the fuck? Took care of my hams. <laughs> He's all right. Is there a perma beans bad on that one? <laughs> I've definitely used that one, if not burning my biscuits from... Uh... Oh, what is that? It's like a Robin Hood cartoon with foxes. Did you ever see that? Yeah, yeah the Disney, the Disney's uh, Robin Hood. Yeah. It, yeah. Burn my beans, burning my biscuits. Oh, what I was going to say was, like, I definitely know that, like, from using chainsaws, I was like, they're not, like, this fucking amazing labor-saving device that just cuts through trees like a hot knife through butter. They catch all the time. They do catch all like, the time. Like, they kick back. Like, they fucking hard to start. This fucking uh, shit right here, like, that chainsaw going right through Leatherface is a fucking fantastic, fantastic fucking effect. And I love this, that inside the... Uh, the the medicine the medicine pouch in this guy's neck around this guy's neck he's got a fucking hand grenade that he's going to be using i almost think like this you get almost a little happy when grandpa kind of gets up right yeah. cuz you're like oh my god is grandpa going to do something <laughs> i'm just happy cuz he hasn't gotten up in a decade or more mm. leatherface is still fucking going with that chainsaw through him but like, like the look on his face where he's like, oh, I got him. I got him. Don't you worry. He doesn't know I'm here. You're going to be saved by Grandpa. Yeah, it's pretty fucking I don't know funny. if it's the same pouch. I'm going to have to double check on that. It's a really astute observation, though. Yeah. I like they do have quite a lot of war stuff around them. Was like, I guess, uh, 
military surplus was such a big thing. Mm-hmm. Who knows if uh, Chop Chop might have smuggled some back or got some from friends who was able to break into stores mm-hmm. and gift him some things like live hand grenades. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know Caroline Williams, uh, she um, talked a little bit about how Bill Mosley's performance, she felt in these scenes, was like genuinely disturbing to her. Like she said, like he was really freaky. Like when he turned on that character, she was like, it was genuinely frightening for her. I could believe it. You know, he is really so dialed in to all of the characters he plays that even when he's throwing out lines from random characters, mm-hmm. good, smart thinking there, stretch, electrocuting the plate. I love, I loved that the first time I saw it. I love it still. Oh, it's a good, it's Smartest a good move. girl ever. Um, but even to hear him dialing out lines, he's still like his visage changes slightly. He, you know, every bone in his body becomes that character. Even when he's tossing out a little line, it's it's really cool to see, I think, to see him talking and just shooting the shit in real life. Yeah. Um, and... Because they were such a part of him, right? Yeah. Oh, man. I should really listen to more interviews with actors I like because I really think that he had nothing but fun and this came so very naturally to him. This was one of those instances, you know, you hear a lot about the other people t- uh, doing the interviews about about this uh, film, and they're like, oh, um, they like uh, Bill Johnson, who played Leatherface, had never seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Really? So, I, I mean, not until he was just about to go to his, for his audition. Bill Mosley, on the other hand, was a, was a massive fan. He made a fan video. Yeah. Right? Like, like who does that? In the 80s? Yeah, especially, I was going to say, in the 80s, it wasn't, you know, a matter of whipping out your phone. And and, 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 put, and then you upload it on YouTube. It's a lot of dedication to yeah. find the, like, get a camera and to share it. Otherwise, to make copies of it, to edit it. It's, a, you know, a, a week or two long process. Not an hour in fucking GarageBand. This is my favorite sequence in this entire film. Um, this entire moment... I love the colors are fucking absolutely amazing. The action is really on point. The camera angles are really, really good. It's such a breath of fresh air too to be in this like daylight atmosphere for a bit, mm-hmm. coming from that underground where you realize how steeped in darkness you were. Mm-hmm. And this, this is really fucking cool. Uh, like I you guess the upstairs of the farmhouse, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that—that that looks amazing. This bone sculpture, I love bones. Like listeners, like if you ever know anything about me, I, I adorn myself with a lot of skeletons. Uh, tattoos are skeleton-based. Like, it, I love bones, and so to see all of this bone art is fucking amazing to me. And then to see in the first film where you have Grandpa and the corpse of Grandma basically just looking like a gooier version of the corpse from Psycho in the first film. And now you have this fucking, like, what would you call it? Like This shrine, shrine. to femininity and the matriarch and the, the birth of the whole chainsaw religion that they have going on. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised he even went in there. And to walk in there saying things like hog bitch mm-hmm. would be such a travesty, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is fucking cool too. I like this sequence too. It's just crazy. It's just very madness. similar to his brother cutting into his hand, but he's cutting across his own neck. Yeah, it's just freaking her out. That's all he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's he's showing. He's like, there's nothing you can do. Like I look what I'll do to myself. Like that's nothing compared to what I'm gonna do to you. It's like death eating a cracker. <sighs> yeah, absolutely. 
this idea of um, that what he really does not like the fact that he is touching her at all which is what surprises me that he would go in there cursing like yeah. who knows or maybe grandma swore like a trucker or whatever but that yeah he is like so protective of that mm-hmm. because that to him is like the fount of his entire family and his entire existence and being right absolutely and and now this this line here is extremely telling you killed her you hog bitch look man that woman has been dead forever well they she did just remove what had supplanted as some sort of womb having that chainsaw on her lap like that and where it was Mm -hmm. that's when that realization right before that line was triggered he Mm -hmm. looked to where the chainsaw had been which is in effect like looking at her vagina and her womb her lap or whatever so he was like definitely like this is the end of grandma as i know it Mm -hmm. now she is just a cadaver she's not that holy relic that we had had and this is that was a harrowing scene her carving him carving her back while she's trying to start the chainsaw mm-hmm. it's fucking crazy and i'm then, surprised they kept that chainsaw ready to start oh yeah and here she is doing her own chainsaw dance a very grandiose version of kind of the end of uh kind of the end of uh, the first texas chainsaw massacre except now here she is at the top Texas flag waving triumphantly and she's just twisting and turning and then just like that, credits. A pretty scantily clad woman emerges from a womb-like territory wielding a phallic weapon. Like it is just... That she has turned on her male aggressor. Yeah. And penetrated him. And penetrated him. Quite lustily. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Wet and sopping. I mean, it is final girl theory fucking heaven right Mm. there really is and turns a lot of it on its head all of it on its head basically so it's a beautiful ending although on the other hand it's also where the massive eye rolling is because it is kind of serious as a heart attack to paraphrase Wes (laughs) and then you get to that point and you're just like really really you're gonna just spin around and do a chainsaw dance for what reason you don't need to do a chainsaw dance she doesn't need to do a chainsaw dance but i think like at the end of the first texas chainsaw massacre movie leatherface does that as the peak of his madness the peak of his frustration he has gotten away and knows uh, uh, sally had gotten away and leatherface knows that whether drayton is going to scold him because he failed his brother's dead or that they're all going to get discovered now and their way of life is now over I feel like this is the exact same thing, except she has now been brought to the brink and has killed someone brutally for her own survival and is now just... You can almost imagine that being in that place with grandma's body, taking grandma's chainsaw and and just being overwhelmed by this place that is like the Sawyer family's essence, energy, and, you know like has just been brought to the brink of madness herself that same fevered madness i would believe that if she hadn't broke the fourth wall by making contact with the camera Eh, maybe yeah it would have sat a lot better for me the end of that is sprayed out of uh comedy i -hmm. think it's it's caddyshack with blood meatballs yeah uh sort of i i like i do have just my own personal problems with the, the very very end scene as iconic and beautiful as it is Mm. And it's mostly the the breaking of the fourth wall. 
that really bothers me about that scene. But brilliant, brilliant ending to that sort of madness. Mm-hmm. And sort of like the first one ends kind of abruptly when you're just like, what the fuck did I just see? What the fuck is going mm-hmm. on here? A chainsaw dance. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really indicate what happened to the rest of the Sawyers or what happened to Lefty, although you could probably assume that they're dead. Um, you could probably assume that Chop Top's dead, but mm, I don't know. And there's more movies after this. I like so. in the in the end credits when they're talking about any similarities between people living and dead or actual firms. So I, I suppose I threw that in there for the food truck. Oh. Yeah. So that you wouldn't start mass panic that all chili in Texas and chili cook-offs were made of people. <laughs> I really think that's why that's there. So I hate to be, I, I hate to say this, but I want to say for people who might ask, which one do you like better, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 or Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2? Are you asking me? Yeah. So, Lydia, I think it comes as no surprise to you and any listeners that know me, know my taste in horror. I think that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is a very good film. It has performances, particularly Bill Mosley's performance that I like a lot. Um, it has cinematography that I like a lot. It has got Tom Savini's special effects. This is 80s horror royalty as far as I'm concerned. But in terms of an indelible mark on horror, on film, and the the cultural influence that it has had, I cannot, like, it does not hold a candle to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And not only that, but I do find the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre more entertaining. Okay, yeah. And I would agree with a lot of what you just said, except supplanting the word entertaining for scary. Because I do find the second one not very scary. It's entertaining. And it all no. is all just entertaining. And it hits all my little horror buttons. But the first one is genuinely scary. Mm-hmm. Which this one just unfortunately doesn't have. It grosses me out a lot. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, the ideas are still scary to me. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't insult me as somebody who, who has lived in the countryside and enjoys a nice pot of chili at all but it doesn't scare me mm-hmm. the first one does succeed in that especially when you give it a lot of thought there's films out there that aren't necessarily scary to watch like the movie eye for an eye comes uh to mind especially the beginning the opening scene where a girl is getting raped and killed while she's on the phone with her mother it's harrowing and touching and all that but it's not until days later when you start really thinking about home invasions that it scares you and Texas Chainsaw Massacre definitely still scares me after repeated viewings. Second one, it's pure entertainment. Yeah, it strikes it, like I wouldn't really say I would. Be, I would say like it's more of a comedy. I would say it's more of an action movie. Yeah. Like you know, and there's funny bits in it, um, but I would still say it's just more actiony. It's more actiony. It's more poppy, um, and I think that there's a more definitive victory over the Sawyers. As, and, and I think that kind of goes back to, like, it has a happier ending. There is a breaking of the fourth wall. There is the fact that Stretch 100% defeats... It's not like... Because Sally just gets away. Yeah. Like, it's not even like she fucking d- even did anything. She managed to get away from the family. And here the family is done, the empire is over, the matriarch is being quote unquote killed. Yeah. Like everything is over and done. She has vanquished the foe. Yeah. And made the Texas countryside safe for exactly. future generations. 
But I think that this movie has a lot to recommend about it. But it is. Uh, but uh, but uh, but yes, I do believe that Texas Chainsaw Massacre one is my preference. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Mm-hmm. Well, that was super crazy fun. What are we doing next Halloween? <laughs> Next Halloween, I'm not exactly sure which one we're doing next Halloween. It's going to be another huge horror classic. Mm -hmm. Hopefully something with a part one and part two that I like. Because I'm like, things that come to mind, just like The Omen 2, Mm -hmm. Friday the 13th 2. Friday the 13th 2. I like part twos of things. Mm -hmm. Do you like Hellbound more than Hellraiser? No, I don't. Sorry. There's there's one. There's an outlier right there. I do like Hellraiser better. I prefer Hellraiser too. I've heard you say that before, and I know you really appreciate the Doctor as well. Yes. Yes. um, That's our flip-flop. We could have a bizarro Halloween someday soon. Mm -hmm. But coming up next... We have the house is October built. The house is October because built. Because Halloween just isn't ending. <laughs> Not yet, kids. Not yet. Yep, so we're going back to found footage and we are gonna do one more. We got one more for you. One more Halloween movie. Yeah. And it's a it's a good one. I really enjoyed it. How's that October Belt? And it also led me into Hayride, which is also on our list in the future too, because I really enjoy thinking about and planning my own future. Uh, haunted attraction. I've never really gone to a lot of haunted attractions, not since I was younger. Uh, so I really do enjoy them. And I've read Haunter magazines mm-hmm. and stuff like that in the meantime, instead of actually attending these places. So I really enjoy this sort of idea of Houses October Built getting into that nitty gritty and trying to look, you know, behind the veil, as it were, and find out more and finding out more than they ever bargained for. Here's a question for you. Well, we were talking about sequels and I didn't ask you, and I want it on the record now. Nightmare on Elm Street 1 or 2, which do you prefer? 3. You prefer Dream Warriors. Yeah, just because I'm such a hey, uh, punk rock 80s kid and beautiful wait. and bad, so I like part 3. No, part 1, definitely. Definitely part 1 left a scar on me that you would not believe. And even though you do get a lot of the same visuals in between part one and part two, mm-hmm. there's nothing quite like having a blood-soaked body bag being dragged through school hallway to really cheer me up. Mm-hmm. I recently rewatched Nightmare on Elm Street, and I was just like, this is a masterpiece. Like, I fucking love this movie. It I, really is. And it's a movie where I hadn't watched it in years, and I was like, I'm going to watch this motherfucker. First with my 31 and Days of Halloween. Nightmare on Elm Street, those are, those are movies on our Halloween-only list. We're going to have to have Halloween in July because I want to get to these a little quicker than annually. I know, because, but like, because you know, I know our listeners are sitting there thinking, you guys, there's big slasher movies out there that you've never touched. And I'm like, it's got to be Halloween, guys. We can't. Or, or something. Something special. Yeah. There's got to be something special. You know what? If we really want to do something... We'll come up with a reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if we get really excited, then soon my birthday's coming up in December. I had a clown last year for my birthday. I don't know what I'm going to have this year. Probably more clowns. Like, who am I kidding? <laughs> yeah, that's probably going to be Clown Town or Chlorophobia. Uh-huh. Another clown movie. Probably Clown House. I wanted to touch Clown House. Well, I know that about you. Yeah. You wanted to touch as many clowns as possible. I certainly do. I want to touch the clowns from Clown House, like, right in the face with my fist. <laughs> They're scary clowns. You want to talk home invasion. You know, that's a terrifying film, really, when you think about it. All the cute clowns aside. And on that note, I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Hair. <laughs>